Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another installment of Canon Talk. I'm your morning, my coach as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Two matches to discuss that took place this week. Um, firstly, we took on a buoyant Man United side who, you know, felt very good after, you know, I think it was three wins in a row or two wins against, you know, top European opposition and a draw against Chelsea. And I think they probably fancied the chances of beating us. Yeah, I mean, you know, must say going into the game, uh, when you saw the, you know, the media uh, or the, like, you know, the football pundits and, and various football shows, I mean, you, we, the way they made it out to be, it was almost like they were uh, Man United were going to uh, wipe the floor with us. Because, you know, with them coming off the 5-0 win over Leipzig, everybody thought, you know, we're going to be on a, on a hiding to nothing there. No, I also felt that, not that I thought we were going to get the hiding, but I didn't think we would, you know, I thought we would uh, end a good year in our probably previous podcast of last week that we had probably thought a draw would be good enough for us, but um, it just shows how you know football can change in a week because boy, you know we 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 came there to put a performance of a of a decade, you could say. Yeah, because I mean we went, you know, uh, as we I think, as you now just mentioned that what the talk we had last week, um, we already said if we're going to go down the path of Leipzig, that you know going toe to toe with them, it's going to end up you know really blowing up in your face. Whereas we went in more, uh, in a in a more controlled discipline sense, you know, a, a, a bit of that that we were lacking, say, prior in, in the bigger clashes that we were, you know, overturned away from home against uh, City and Liverpool. And uh, they had more of a kind of take of uh, the run that we were talking about with the FA Cup running, or the, yeah, the FA Cup running in that last uh, league game against Liverpool that we faced, where we also started the kind of experiment and, and of this, almost like nullifying them, the opposition, and then slowly but surely, you know, you just start cramp- cranking up the the pressure and you start, you know, just dominating the position position stakes as well. So going 3-4-2-1, I mean, it was somewhat different to what we normally would expect, the 3 uh, what was normally Arteta's favourite, the 3-4-3. But you could actually see with, uh, say, Party and El Nini coming in, you needed not two guys to are really mobile. And look, remember we spoke also about... Uh, Something that frustrates us a bit with Xhaka, you know, as much as, he, you know, he gives his seizures all to the cause. But, I mean, you can see he does struggle with pace. And for a game like this, you know, when you had people like, like El Nini and, and Thomas Party play people like Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba nearly took, you know, wiping them yeah. out. Really. It was such a pleasant sight to see Arsenal dominating the midfield battle. Like, you know, we've always complained about not being strong enough, but... El Nini's partnership and party was immense. Like, you know, El Nini almost gives party that freedom to say, okay, you know, go do what you want, sort out the tackles, and I'll be here to clean up any mess that needs to be. And, you know, I'll break with some decent passes as well. I mean, for me, um, I mean, I haven't mentioned it to you, but like for me, the game really felt or can be described as, you know, cattle being herded by cowboys because. You know, we we had a few in, in, uh, instances where United look did, uh, you know, overcome us with like so one I think one long ball. There was also a moment like later on that we will still get to in the game, or a couple of moments later on. But you know that was about it because Arsenal was like guided where they want them to like, either play, or then up the pressure to force them into errors and and regain position again because it's like, you know, when you see people like. Roy Keane having a, a, a real gripe about 
what he saw in the game. And later on, I also saw Paul Scholes. I mean, okay, he wasn't so negative as a whole because, uh, look, Keane was like, you know, very vague to give us uh, really credit for the game. But I mean, Paul Scholes said straight up, that game wasn't like one or could have been one or lost in the middle. And he said Arsenal just had the better manpower in the middle because they really showed how you're going to organize and, and control the game. Because I think people, Pogba or Bruno Fernandes and them, and, and look, I still told you last week also, uh, McTominay and Fred were probably yeah. one of the best midfield partnerships. But I mean, it's like they were probably on that high of the Leipzig game. And probably thought, okay, they don't have to go, you know, full or flat out against us. And the the sort of running and, and, and pressure that we were forcing onto them. I mean, even like if you go through their fullbacks also or their defense, they were losing the ball way too easy because every time they thought they could get like a second or third touch to the ball, there was one, uh, you know, white shirt on top of them. Yeah, no, the, the, the one thing that Ian Wright said to me as well with party in the team, it's... We've never had a player like that that can sense danger all the time. He's very quick to pick up when there's danger, and he snuffs it out before the time. So definitely was you know a good, excellent. You know we slate Arteta when he when he we feel he's done something wrong, but yeah. definitely a very good midfield partnership that played and was the right choice to play together. And I mean, look, the first half was very much uh, you know a stalemate. Um, Actually, you know, the moment for me kind of felt like the sort of play that we had at Anfield in 89 where, you know, you could see they came in with a game plan and like they told themselves, if we keep the score and say like this at halftime, we know we can start, you know, upping the tempo, upping the pressure for that, that you know, to, to kind of sneak a goal. And, you know, like, look at the ninth minute, I think, uh, William it was, yeah, who ends up clipping the... Uh, Crossbar. I mean, it was fantastic work by Aubameyang and him on the on the on the side of the pitch there, up on the right side. And then of course Saka then had also a free header that he missed. Um, I know there's conflicting things towards uh, Saka in this game, but I think it was really one of his off games because look, we know what we, what he's always capable of. And for me, almost like his mind was either elsewhere, but or, or the sort of style of game it was was just not really meant for him. Yeah, and and it it was an unlike Saka performance. I think if he had to be on song, I mean, it could have been a it could have been a much tougher prospect for Man United because they were really struggling in this game. Yeah, and then second half, Arsenal. You could see now, you know, it was like a, a more I want to say too adventurous or oh yeah, maybe like you know going more forward and that, but not you know being reckless about it. It was everything was very controlled. So even though they were attacking because. Even if the ball was breaking, we always had that extra one or two people, you know, to, to snuff out the danger from Rashford and Greenwood. So, you know, Arsenal then ends up, uh, you know, some fantastic interplay between Aubameyang and uh, Lacazette. But, I mean, I think Aubameyang just ends up curling the ball way, way past the post. Yeah, I thought, I thought that also was going to be a, a big moment. I thought, you know, we're not putting the chances away. You know, there's a possibility, you know, you know, I just you know that feeling of United where they just come and you know eat you with a, a low below, and I thought it was coming soon if we weren't going to take our chances. Then 68th minute turning point of the game, uh, Pogba's kind of sleeping on his heels because one minute he's like looking at at Hector Bellerin, and in that moment that he's looking towards the towards where the ball uh, was going to be played because William was already in control of the ball, 
in that time that he's looking away, Ballerin was already making a darting run behind him. And I think by the time the ball gets played by William and Pogba realizes, oh shit, there's a runner coming. When he just sticks out like a lazy foot, he ends up clipping Ballerin on the foot. Ballerin to- topples over. Penalty Arsenal. Yeah, clear penalty. I mean, there was no argument about it. And then, you know, Aubameyang, man of the hour, I mean, hasn't scored. I think he's on his longest scoring um, scoreless streak in the in a league since was it 2014 at Tunis at Dortmund. And, you know, steps up and coolly slots. The, there was just no, no doubt about it. He just lost the penalty away. And one Arsenal, a new dance, new party moves. Yeah, I just want to also add to the listeners that... that... You were having a right moan to me about Aubameyang on this gold route since he signed my contract. Yeah, <laughs> and I was just, and I was just kind of keeping myself out of this hole because I know that many people, even I think sometime after you were mentioning it, then I ended up seeing a newspaper article as well where they go, "Is this sort of pressure now building onto him now that he's got the contract?" And now, you know, you don't see him firing on all cylinders like he used to. Yeah, at least he, he bagged his goal, and I think Arsenal from that point on just started to boss the game. Yeah, even I mean, more so. You know, then you know, my day flurry of changes, we did our bit to kind of show up the game. And then I think 85th minute of Danny Van de Beek, he ends up eating a shot, I was like, eating a shot across the box. It flicks, I mean, this was so freakish, it flicks off El Nini's shin. I think it smacks Leno in the face, right? And it eats the post, yes. bounces out. Uh, I think that, that, was, that was the biggest scare for me personally in the game because it just showed how comfortable we were as we know. We just kept on, you know, pulling United. Almost out-thought and out-fought. Yeah, and I mean, Arsenal didn't see out the game the old traditional 1-0 to the Arsenal, but, you know, tip my hat off to uh, Gabriel uh, yes. El Nini, because, I mean, the three of them were literally running the socks off. Yeah, and, and nothing could get past Gabriel. Like you could see, um, Rashford goes past most defenders, but Gabriel just had him in his back pocket. I mean, I remember still asking my friends at full time on that Facebook Arsenal group where, you know, was Bruno Fernandes playing? Because, like not as a so, like sarcastic because it's like he did not hear his, you know, the commentator really mentioning for the majority of the game. You're just lucky he didn't have to step up for a penalty because that's when he would probably end up hearing his name. Yeah. So, uh, we switch our attention into the Europa League fixture. Arsenal versus Mulder. Uh, the top two of Group B. Arsenal, of course, made a number of changes. I was really surprised that uh, Runason was not chosen. Uh, Me too. But I think, I think something that, you know, that we actually know Pepe, Pepe, uh, Pepe Guardiola for we. Even if it was Carabao Cup and, and he knows say, a team could be dangerous. And look, they were also unbeaten on the night with us. Yeah. Um, they they could still be a danger. And he, like, the same way Pep would do it, Arteta also went, you know, sort of full strength with his, like, you know, taking his number one keeper and, and, you know, making whatever changes, but also still keeping that seniority in the squad. Now, definitely, uh, David Luiz coming in was a good thing as, as well. Like, just to get some minutes under his belt and add some experience to the back line. Yeah, so Mulder, um, of course, looked very confident come, uh, you know, going to the game as, as a kickoff. I was really surprised because we were also allowing them to dictate the play 
you know, really knock the ball about it. Not we weren't really doing any pressing in it. And I, to be honest, I was getting a bit concerned because I was still telling my kids, oh, yeah, this could be like you know a run of the mill sort of game. But when I started seeing them really, you know, knocking <laughs> it out, running into little spaces, you know, putting our players all apart, and I think. Our approach also, oh, the problem I actually had with our approach, we were way too nonchalant in this game. A quick question, was was Reese Nelson injured or...? He was but not it... injured at all because uh, the squad, the, the lineup was full with subs as well. So it looks like either he had an injury or was just cut from the squad completely. Because he was probably one of the top performers in our previous Europa League game for me personally. So it was quite a shock to like, you know, not see him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I mean, I was actually also missing him because I really thought, you know, this was a sort of game for him to to step up. Because especially if you look at that first 35, 40 minutes, uh, Pepe was really becoming, you know, a frustrating for whoever was watching. Yes. Because, you know, when you have a, a team, look, a Mulder aren't, uh, you know, almost like what you say, world eaters or whatever. But I mean, when you see your supposed top guy at your club, uh, you know, can't getting past the fullback and he's getting, you know, the ball taken off him and robbed constantly and, and stuff like that, or, or kind of lazily running and, and losing control. I honestly thought that you would be hauled off at half time. That was, I mean, yeah. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I, I the same thing. And I mean, it, it seemed like there's the, there's, we were in for a frustrating night, just the way the players were playing. It's like it was a bit laboured. Yeah. And then 22nd minute, Barton Ellingson fires in a fantastic goal after. Arsenal get themselves again caught in a muddle when Leno plays the ball out, I think straight to the halfway line, which is like intercepted. Ball gets played out wide. Uh, another one that was, uh, you know, was like bad, bad of a night, Kolasinac, he's not anywhere close to closing down. And there's already a gap between, uh, you know, the one that was playing outside left and him. So he's like standing between the devil and deep blue sea and the ball just gets <laughs> by this guy. Um, that Ellingson and he, you know, eats a, a, a ball across, you know, to the far corner. And you could see Leno. I mean, the one thing also picked up, like, you know, having played as a goalkeeper. And you can actually see he did not know exactly where he was when after yes. that weird clearance. Because by the time that shot gets taken, he's really surprised that where it actually lands. And we could have still made it uh, ground. Because look, he didn't look behind him to see where his goal was. So you could see he was totally caught out of position. Yeah, I think, you know, one or done, you're thinking, oh, another night like that night in Vienna where, yes. you know, we just went up for it and, you know, get punished for not being up. And Mulder actually looked the better side for me personally, like, when still scoring the goal. And I thought, you know, well, there's, a, there's no complaints about this. I mean, what what really frustrated me a bit was, um, actually, especially first off, and I was just thinking, there's also something I'm going to talk to you in private, but, I forgot to message you still last night. But I I really thought to myself, you know, I actually wish Arteta would get that sort of mix right or the blend right that he wants from the get-go. And it's like, it's more like they don't start like you want them to start because, you know, you know what sort of quality we have of players, but it's like you want them to, like, especially like this. I'm not saying, you know, when you're playing, uh, say, uh, Man United, I'm not sorry, you know, like a Man City or Liverpool to play that way. But if you know you're going in as this like superior team, then go for it and and, and, and you know show them who's the boss on the pitch. I mean it's our yes. as well. But it's like we, we play this slow whatever and, and uh, uh, what what for me was so ironic or iconic also, 
you see this team in blue and they're playing the same way Leicester were doing in that first 30 minutes. Yes. And they're just sitting and they're sitting in the, like we try and like then we would pass one way and it's okay, we're not gonna get the channel yet, so we're gonna go the other way. And then it's, it's blocked then and we're gonna try down the middle. Then it's also blocked so we go back to our half again and I'm thinking, oh man, it's just is this gonna not play out like that Leicester game all over. We just didn't have any forward really players that wanted to drive the team forward. Yeah. And I think we, we were we were missing that. We need a like that guy, I'm not I can't pronounce his name, I think properly of um was it the Rens that you said, that youngster? Oh the Rens. Yes. Because you said he just uh, drives the team forward. So you kind of need a a, a Thomas Party part yeah. two in the in the, the Europa League side and um, you know, those Carabao Cup size against the lesser teams to just kind of get that same impact. You're not kind of changing that whole system completely. Cause, I mean, probably having Shaka and Ceballos and Almeni and parties like chalk and cheats in the middle of the park at the moment. And even now that that goal was just into our kickstart Arsenal, like a real kick up the backside as well. But I mean, we're also getting kind of desperate in that, that uh, between sort of the 25th or uh, 34th minute where. We were now just starting to eat pot shots from long range, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, take it calmer, rather, you know, get at positions or just try something different because, look, you're not going to get away with, say, the eye of the needle type stuff. Yeah. So do the, a bit of lofted passes or something just to uh, mix it up because they were, you can see a lot of the times we were getting kind of, not rushed, really, but frustrated because we were trying too hard and it was like we were failing. And also, there was moments where we were locked. You know, we should have released a bit faster. Was trying to hang on the ball too long, and you know, was kind of also getting on on my nerves somewhat. Yeah, you man and Katie were just working on my nerves in that off with Pepe included. I was like, come on, guys, there's so much more potential in there. Like, this is your chance. Show why you know should at least get the a spot on the bench or you know knock on that first team door. And then the 44th minute, Katie then has a goal ruled off, which is actually wrong. Because it actually shows that Wallock was offside, but yeah. he was not interfering with play. And uh, since there's no VAR using the group stage, which I find totally stupid by UEFA, so that goal was chalked off. It's typical Arsenal's like we always on the other side of VAR, whether it, you know it should be given, not be given. We always on the wrong side of VAR. Yeah. Then finally, the 44th minute, like first minute of injury time as well. Uh, Mulder has a corner. They it was kind of weak because it was like really hitting the middle. We are main defenders where the ball gets cleared. William ends up leading the charge on the counter. You know, Arsenal really starts spreading the play because Xhaka, of all people, Mr. Sandrunner, <laughs> bursts down the middle. And I'm thinking, isn't this like the wrong guy to have on the ball? But I mean, he keeps himself composed. He holds up, I think, about two challenges. He then plays in Edin out on the right wing. Who you know plays an immediate foot, like, takes a few steps going forward, cuts the ball to to Willock, and I think under pressure, uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, I got his name here. Oh yeah, Christopher Haugen. He ends up getting ahead of Willock, but you know he ends up just bundling the ball past his own keeper. What a lucky one-one. Yeah, I think Willock was a nice assist. I think Kitty has worked pressure, and I mean the two people that. That too, we've been keeping a tough time, you know, once again, delivered with the good. So I think it's starting to work. Whenever we slate on the, or oh, criticize on the podcast, seems to you know, spark some fire to the next game. 
Okay, now right there, I want to say that you're somewhat wrong because in the second half of the fourth minute, Kolasinac ends up getting a chance and <laughs> three yards out and he hits over, hits over the ball without the goalkeeper in there. We hadn't criticised him enough. I'm sure uh, we need to, you know, beef it up a bit because I think, you know, as, as we go on in the game, you'll see the people that we always make mention of seem to just be kind of doing the things. Even Saka took it personally now with what you said about his performance at Man United. And I mean, like, I really thought, I mean, I, I think I still stood up and I think this is like easy and I just seem like... <laughs> And I'm thinking, I mean, of all things, I mean, if you even if you're left back and you're kicking the ball with the right foot, I mean, you're gonna do something almost like hitting yourself over the ball instead of yeah, in back and you know, screw with your weaker foot as well. Yeah. So I mean, as I mentioned, um, Mulder then made a halftime substitution, Sheriff Senyan, and I mean, he ends up you know kind of low key <laughs> until the 62nd minute. <laughs> Willock was Willock, I believe. Yes, Willock again, yes. Fires across the box, and <laughs> that senior guy ends up heading past his own keeper. 2 1 Arsenal. Yeah, I think that from there, we just relaxed, and it was cruise control from that point on. Yeah, then Saka and Cedric then came on for William and Enzo Michael Niles. I mean, both of them in general were kind of low key. I mean, for me, yeah. I only remembered him, uh, you know, being in that uh, move for the goal. And Maitland Niles was not doing that much that, you know, uh, no really standout performance because you can actually see when, when, when Cedric came on, we were actually venturing more forward and, and yes. more threatening on that right side. Yeah, those subs did also kind of spark a bit more energy into the team in general, like especially bringing Saka on. It seemed like you said his type of game relative to that Old Trafford match. In the 69th minute, Pepe then makes a, scores a fantastic goal after great work by Saka who, you know, ends up going on this mazy run down the left, eats the ball across. And, I mean, for me, what, what reminded me of the, the Pepe finish, um, I don't know if you remember where I was telling you about Burkham, used to say when you use the the defender to shield, the, yeah. the not shield, but to, to hide the ball from the keeper. And then you just see it, you place the ball. And, I mean, you could see that goalkeeper could not see anything by the time the ball went into the net. You could still see him, like, punch the ground when it's like, I couldn't see the ball because that Senya was standing right in front of me. Yeah, um, Pepe, it's a trademark goal. I think he likes that late run, like that they're just placing the ball. Yeah. Arsenal they now made another batch of substitutions where they brought on Tierney and El Nini for Xhaka and Ceballos. I mean, I think Xhaka was also quite low-key. Wasn't that... I mean, for me at times, he was also getting caught up quite high up the pitch, even though he was playing in that uh, defensive role. And Sebayos, I don't know, he was doing a bit of nice passes, but I don't know, when you, when you see the sort of marker that, that um, Party has set or El Nini has set, you're actually trying to hold him to that sort of standard now and, and yes. see that really. Yeah, I know that is true. It's like you're having that higher expectations now, so you expect better. Yeah. So, uh, 88th minute, Willock then ends up making it 4-1 again. Great work by El Nini, allowing him to get that chance in the box. He used some... Great control and strength because look at centre-back of Moldo was also leaning into him and the year ends up just smashing the wall past the keeper. 4-1 Arsenal and... Yeah, three. quite the emphatic finish, yeah. Sorry to interrupt, yeah. But quite an emphatic finish by Joe Willock. Yeah, because I think now it's just down to, you know, seeing off the game at at, uh, at Moldo in about, what's it, two and a half weeks' time. 
Oh, so it's a break now. Yeah, or... a break. Okay. Well, okay. Um, I still think, you know, after that one game uh, in Molda, I think we should not see the game off there. And then, you know, you can at least have more youngsters than coming because, I mean, I'm really curious to see, um, say, someone like Balogun or, or you know, some of the other youngsters or Smithro trying to play himself back in the squad again. Yeah, that would be quite nice to see. So then now uh, we start slowing down the podcast as we round off now. Um, Arsenal, Aston Villa on Sunday. Uh, late kickoff. I mean, I'm, I'm not really a big fan of the Sunday. Me game. too. Late, that's late time the kickoff's not the best. You know, you do. So yeah. I mean, look, Aston Villa, fantastic. Yeah, had a fantastic start to the season, but now it's almost like everything has now come to, kind of ground to a halt because uh, they they've now like, lost like two on the bounce. And I mean, conceded something like, uh, what was it, seven goals in two games? Yeah, so, so they're, they're struggling quite a bit now. And things aren't coming up for them. But the attack is still very dangerous. I mean, Jack Grealish will still probably, I think, pull the strings. And that Watkins it seems to be, you know, their, their, their lead man up front. But, you know, for me, Martinez, I think, uh, probably going to prove a point. And I mean, look, Ross Barkley also, I mean, it surprised me because, look, he's come off a lot of flack, you know, at Chelsea. It's not really come off for him there. He's now moved on to, to uh, Aston Villa. And I mean, he actually looks a kind of different player, almost like the Ross Barkley that everybody knew that when he was at Everton. Yeah, he, he, on his day, he can be very dangerous. And he's given Arsenal always a tough time when he was at Everton. So, I mean, look, both teams going to the game, uh, same uh, number of points. And I mean, I, I really think Arsenal should also use this game to, you know, sort of uh, use as a kind of springboard in the league. Because, I mean, we're on 12 points now. I mean, three points, we're up to 15, which is already uh, second place less than that amount of points. So, you know, you never know how things are going to pan out. Then. There's two big games, Everton, Man United and less... Um... Man City and Liverpool this weekend. So, you know, playing the last game of the weekend, you have an opportunity to, to look at the league and say, OK, three points tonight and we'll end up over here. And you know what is scary? I'm like, I'm just going through like the stats now of, of Aston Villa. I mean, you've got Jack uh, uh, Greenish. Eh? He's like uh, the uh, top player like in, in the ratings, like average of eight per game. His goals, his top scorer there, assist top there. So, I mean... Uh, we already know which guy we are going to have to watch out for. And I mean, the, the, the one next in line is Ollie Watkins because yes. he's come out of nowhere, really. And, and the way he's now hit it off there. Because, uh, uh, look, he's already come off that, that uh, move from Brentford. And it's like he's just stepping up now in, into this, like the big scene now. And it's like, what, 10 games, 7 goals? Yeah, he's fitting in like a club. So it's going to be interesting prospect also, you know, coming up against Gabriel as well. New thing, going to be able to see how well it deals with it, but I'm confident we'll get the results. I'm probably thinking we could probably, I don't want to say that maybe we'll concede one, but I'm thinking a 3-1 win Arsenal, perhaps. Yeah. I mean, I actually want to go on this run also with the league where we actually now get a run of, of clean sheets now before the break, because, look, it's been a while since we had, or we're going to an international break with a, a decent run of results, because for me, it's always it's a stumbling block, always just leading up to it. Yes. It's always like frustrating because I want us to go like you know have that sort of positivity, take it into you know the the like after the two week break and I mean by the time we return, it's an away trip to Leeds. Oh, is the two week break? Is the last game before the two week break? Yeah, 
because the uh, game, we play now Villa Sunday, 8th of November. The next league game is 22nd of November. Uh, okay, that's still a long way away. But I mean, for me, sometimes, I don't know how you feel about it, but for me, you know, this, this you know, Nations League becomes more of a distraction than anything. Yeah. Because especially now with this COVID thing, you don't know what these guys are now. You know, if somebody from another club has this whole thing, and then yes. this one is shut down, and that one is shut down, and uh, it's infuriating. And it impacts your title, you know, top four race, you know, prospects. I guess it adds a new dynamic now to the to the various races, whether you're top four or going for the title. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything more to add? No, yes. nothing from my side. Okay. Hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the game on Sunday. Hopefully, you come away with the three points. Come on, you Gunners. Yeah, let's go, guys. Get the three points. <laughs>